0: The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host Joel Credo, and today I got a coach up in the state of Indiana, Hoosier State. Um, he does coach some basketball. He's got some practice later today, but today we're talking baseball. He's a head baseball coach up there, and so welcome, Coach Harden. Coach Harden, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah, how's it going, Joel? Hey, first off, man, appreciate you having me on. Um, so yeah, my name's Jacob Harden. Um, I'm I'm the very uh, blessed and thankful head coach of Linton Stockton High School in Indiana, Linton, Indiana. Um, yeah, this is going in on my third year as head coach. Uh, we're we're mainly known for our football and basketball, both boys and girls. Um, countless state titles and state title appearances. Uh, got a kid named Joey Hart who's playing basketball at the University of Kentucky right now. So. It's small town, it's small town mentality. But I mean, I tell you what, brother, we have a lot of great athletes coming out of here. But uh, you know, my story, very you know, very simply put, um, springtime head baseball coach at the high school level. Summertime, I'm an assistant coach for the Terre Haute Rex, uh, which is a team in the Prospect League, which is a collegiate wood bat team. Um, and you know, to to get me to this point, it, it's been a lot of grinding. Um, you know, I had a year where I was, a an assistant coach at Rose Holman Institute of Technology, which is a division three baseball program, uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. And, I uh, got to coach under legendary coach, Jeff Jenkins, who has over 800 wins. And, uh, you know, that year really, really propelled me, uh, to be able to go and get a head coaching job at, at the high school level. And, uh, you know, I just felt led that, Hey, I need to be in the classroom and, uh, need to be coaching these high school kids, uh, and I was very fortunate to get that opportunity. But I'm also very fortunate the fact that I still do get to coach college baseball as well uh, in the summer. So very, very humbled and blessed, man. And, uh, you know, just trying to learn every day and uh, continue to get better at what I do. And uh, that's what's awesome being on a platform like this. So thanks for having me.
0: All right. So one of the ways I like to introduce guests and kind of get to know them and introduce them to the audience. I'm going to ask you a question and take your time to think about it. But let me ask you this. What is the greatest performance that you've seen firsthand on a baseball field?
1: Oh, man. Greatest performance I've ever seen on a baseball field. I'd have to say back in 2016 at my alma mater, um, I went to Northview High School, uh, which is in Brazil, Indiana. Um, And people are probably thinking Brazil, Indiana – Orville Redenbacher, next time you go pop some popcorn, okay, you probably Orville Redenbacher, he was from Brazil, Indiana. Uh, David Goggins, which everybody everybody knows David Goggins, he had a stint where he lived in Brazil, so those are two claim to fames. But I graduated in 2015, and, um, you know, our goal was always to win a state title, win a state title, win a state title, which had never been done, and a lot of people thought we were nuts. And, and of course, the year after we graduate, 2016, the boys make it all the way to the state championship game, which is played in downtown Indianapolis at Victory Field, and we had this kid. His name's Braden Tucker, and Braden Tucker, he was a sophomore that year, and he just absolutely dominated every opportunity he had. Uh, he was he was mainly a pitcher, but he hit really well too. But that state championship game, man, nobody thought Northview would have a, have a chance, and he absolutely dominated, and that really. Like, he was a great baseball player, and everybody knew he was a great baseball player. Heck, he was getting recruited by Indiana University as a freshman. I remember uh, seeing you guys in the stands as a senior thinking, oh, yeah, they're here for for a freshman, Brady Tucker, because he was that good. Uh, But that really cemented him as probably the best, if not one of the best players in our area ever. Um, And just the way, man, like, just dominated. And not just on the mound, but just mentality. Like, when he went up there or when he got in the box, like, there was no way he was getting out, you know, when he was hitting. There was no way the guy in the box was getting hit. Just seeing that seep through him, and the guy's really fed off of it. And that that's really kind of the thing that sticks out to me. I would have to say that's the best performance I've ever seen. Um, and they got a blue ring out of it, uh, which, you know, in Indiana, both teams get a ring, but blue and red is first and second. So, you know, that blue ring obviously is what they want, and they got it. And it was a lot largely in part because of his pitching performance, so.
0: All right, it is the off season. Um you know, I'm putting my notes together on things I want to work on this off season with my guys and moving forward into the the spring season. What are some of the things that you guys are gonna focus on this off season to get better at?
1: Absolutely, man. So it's funny you say that. We just had a I kinda of call it a come to Jesus meeting <laughs> yesterday with our baseball team. Um, you know, being from a small school, as I'm sure you know you're in the same boat, uh, and we talked a little bit about, you know, multi sport athletes, but You know, at a small school like Linton, which I just looked it up, we have 391 kids. So very, you know, very small school. Um, You know, we we have to play multiple sports in the fact of having enough guys on the team. So, like, we really, really need that for a lot of, in a lot of cases. But anywho, it's tough in the fall for us. We're a football school. Uh, You know, a lot, everybody wants to play football. So it's tough to have people in the fall. Um, and, you know, years past, we've we've been fortunate to have a lot of guys. But the things that we have been focusing on the most, um, you know, are a few things that I learned from a guy named Jared Spencer who pitches at Indiana State. Um, I had a chance to coach him with the Rex a couple summers back. And when he was with us, big lefty, he was thrown maybe 92, 93. And then the very next year, which was this year that just finished in Indiana State, you know, they won the Missouri Valley. Uh, tournament, Um, then they ended up winning the regional, Um, had a chance to potentially host the Super Regional, and some stuff went down, but they went down to TCU, but he's throwing 97 mile an hour now, and and, and, and it's like, holy mackerel, how do you go from that to that, and I asked him, and he said, it's very simple, the weight room, long toss, and armored heat, and I was like, okay, so weight room, check, long toss, check, but this armored heat, well, armored heat's this uh, you know, kind of arm recovery thing that a lot of a lot of Division ones I've noticed are doing it. Um, so we have purchased that. Uh, we've also purchased this workout from uh, Coach Reeser, who uh, is a strength coach at Vanderbilt. So we've really, really been trying to hit on those things, um, which then in turn not only is it going to help our arms and you know help guys become you know throwing hard, start throwing harder on the mound, but I mean that that's just going to be great in general. I mean if you can throw it harder from third to first, that's a positive. You know if you can throw it harder from the outfield to your cutoff man or outfield to home, that's a positive. So, um, you know really hitting on the strength and conditioning side of things, um, and then of course the baseball part will follow. But uh, you know it's it's easy to want to work hard when we're hitting, or it's easy to want to work hard when we're getting ground balls. But you know the men from the boys get. Uh, get, get organized. When who's going to show up in the weight room? Who's going to show up at speed and agility? And that was kind of our our come to Jesus meeting yesterday because we're in our <clears throat> time where we're not a lot of hit right now. We're not a lot of hit and stuff until December fourth, and we haven't had a whole lot of guys show up. And granted, I know we got a lot going on with football just getting done and basketball starting, but there's a lot of guys that you know, hey man, you could be here. I understand it's not the most fun stuff. But in order to get to the most fun stuff, which to me is winning and dogpiling and, you know, having that camaraderie as a team, in order to get to that fun stuff, you have to do the not-so-fun stuff to prepare yourselves. So so that's the biggest emphasis for us this offseason is, you know, the weight room, getting our arms healthy, and just, you know, being better athletes. So
0: So here's a question. It's not really baseball-specific, but it's just a question I ponder a lot, and it's about the intangibles of coaching, Right. We look we, there's college football today, there's going to be NFL football um, tomorrow, there's basketball games happening every day, baseball season's over, but pretty soon we're going to be watching baseball games, but I'm curious, you know, we watched, I believe Bruce Bochy just won another World Series ring, and uh, looking at it, I'm going, what separates him in particular from everybody else? What separates Nick Saban from everybody else? What separates you know, all these great coaches that we see year in and year out The people go, they're great. Greg Popovich hasn't won in quite some time in the NBA, but he's still this renowned guru at coaching. And I'm just curious, what do you think separates the good from the great at coaching?
1: Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I would have to say, you know, first off, and I think any successful coach would tell you this, because I know I've heard a lot of successful coaches say this, it's you know, it, you're not going to win without great players. So that's first and foremost. And I know, you know, that's I think Bruce, you know, Coach Bochy, I think that's what he said when they asked him. And, you know, I know obviously everybody knows Alabama. They've got great players. But aside from that, I think the thing that separates and, you know, and, and you get these great coaches uh, is two things. The relationships they build with the players and just getting their players to believe that they can be the best versions of themselves possible. And, you know, that's the thing. When you go somewhere, uh, you know, we got to think of the fact that, you know, there was one time that Nick Saban never had a national championship. There was a time that Bruce Bochy never had a World Series ring. Seeing, You know, how did they get their guys to believe to do it the first time? So now it's not – we're crazy. Now it's an expectation. And you know what I mean? And now you got Saban who's got six or seven national titles. Bruce Bochy just won his fourth World Series. I think getting the guys to believe and buy in – and then you can let your baseball smarts take, the, take care of the rest. Or in, in, in Coach Saban's case, you know, obviously his football smarts take care of the rest because obviously those guys know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, you can lead the horse to water, but you got to let them, you know, they, ha- they have to be the ones to drink. And, um, and that's the thing, you know, nobody's going to want to follow you if they don't know that you love them and that you care about them. Um, so I think, like I said, man, relationship building and just getting guys to believe that they can go that extra step and, uh, you know, I, I, if I had to put, you know, a bet on it, I'd say that's exactly how Bochy and exactly how Saban, I'm sure that's exactly how they've got to the point that they're at now. And that's something that I personally try to emulate. And I'm hoping that, you know, one day it'll pay dividends. So
0: so baseball a, is a game of failure, right? You fail more than you succeed. Um, you know, I saw a really cool thing. Um, on a presentation this past week or maybe two weeks ago um, on a Zoom call where they were talking about, just think about it, Tiger Woods is the greatest champion of all in the game of golf, and he still only won 22%, 22% of the, the things that he's been a part of in terms of golf, whatever it may be. I don't know the exact term. 22%. So that means 78% of the time he's losing. How do you work on the mental side of the game with your players and athletes?
1: Man, I'd say the biggest thing is, uh, uh, you know, before every season starts, we have a day where it's dedicated to nothing but goal setting, Um, you know, and we talk about, uh, you know, physical goals, mental goals, you know, intrinsic goals type of deal, talk about personal goals, team goals, and a big way that we talk about this idea of failure uh, is something that I learned, when I was a junior in high school girl, excuse me, going into my junior year of high school. So it was the summer of my sophomore year. And I was working with this guy, his name's Brady Shoemaker. He's from Brazil, Indiana, went to the same high school as me. He's about 10 years older, but he, uh, he played professional ball. I mean, i tell you what, that guy could hit the ball country mile. And he was working with me one summer going into my junior year. And he asked me, what's your goal for this year? And, and, you know, I said, well, my goal was to hit 400. And he said, no, it's not. I was like, what do you mean? He said, do not make that your goal. And he said, and, and I was, you know, I was confused. I was like, I think that's a pretty good goal. Like, what do you mean? He said, make your goal to get one hit a game. And he told me, he said, if you, if you say, I want to hit this, or I want to hit this, and it doesn't happen right off the bat, you have nothing but negativity because man, I'm hitting, I'm hitting a buck 50 and my goal is to hit 400 and I'm so far behind. But he said, if you have a goal of getting one hit a game, you're gonna go one for three one game. Then the next game you're gonna go. You might go two for four. Then you might have an 0 for five. But then you have a three for four and then a four for four. And he said, if you can just make your goal, get one hit a game, and you get your hit a game, oh, now I've achieved my goal. Now I'm gonna shoot for two hits. And next thing you know, golly, you're hitting 450. And that year, I actually ended up, I think, hitting hitting in the 450s. I got uh, second team all state. But I remember that mentality is what got me there you know, and just taking it day day by day, game by game, like, hey, today I'm going to try to do this, and then if I do it, I'm going to try to do more. So that's a big thing that I try to incorporate with our guys at Linton, is like, hey, don't try to do so much in so little time. Try to do a little bit at a time, because those little things, little things, little things are going to add up to the bigger picture, and, um, you know, I think it's helped. Uh, obviously, you know, we're still trying to find ways, but you know we have that with our goal setting but also too, just the realization that guys it's okay to fail but what's not okay is to give up when you fail and and you know realizing that three out of 10 you're a hall of famer as they like to say and if you fail a couple times it's not the end of the world so let's just get back up and let's try to strive forward so that that would be what I'd have to say about that what we try to do here at Linton and uh you know we're, we're continuously trying to do because the mental side of it man without that you ain't got nothing so
0: If I were to go to one of your practices, this is one of the thoughts I always have. Is there something I spend too much time at practice working on that does not correlate to how important it is in a game? And is there something I should be spending more time at practice on that I don't incorporate enough time at practice on? Like, is there something I spend too much time on that's hurting us win or lose games? And there's something I'm not spending enough time on that could potentially help us win more games? And so I'm curious, if I were to go to your practice... What would be some of the things that I see? What are the things that you guys are specifically working on? Do you think that you spend more time, uh, you know, going live? Do you spend more time doing progression work? Do you do more time doing situational defense stuff? Take us to one of your practices. What would I see? What would I hear? What would I be taking away from your practice?
1: That's great. That's a great question. Um, I'd say the first thing, uh, you know, unless, you know, there's obviously days, you know, say you just played three games in a row. Uh, you know, that practice after that will look a lot different, but I would say for the majority of our practices, everybody will be doing something at all times. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of the college baseball guy in me coming out, uh, you know, something that how, when I played college baseball, that's how it was when, when I, uh, had a chance to coach college baseball at Rose, that's how it was. Um, but everybody has something to be doing. Uh, Because I've been a part of practices as a player and as an assistant coach, um, you know, kind of looking onward where, you know, you got one guy hitting in the turtle shell and then you got everybody else just standing around. So you got one guy that is hopefully getting better and then you got everybody else that's doing nothing but taking up space. Um, So that's something, you know, at our practices from start to finish, I'm I'm very uh, meticulous about my practice planning. Um, You know, I've got this template that, you know, I like to try to plan everything to the minute you know, hey, at 337, we're doing this, or, you know, hey, at 452, we're doing this. Um, You know, and obviously, sometimes you got to stem away from that, but to at least give you that guideline, um, you know, usually how it starts with us, we always usually start with defense, um, you know, and everybody is doing something, and, um, you know, I think the more reps and the least amount of time that you can get, the better, and something that I've done to uh, try to help with that, I actually learned uh, by watching... um, Arizona's old softball coach, uh, the guy with the awesome mustache who won like a million games and like nine national titles or whatever, but something they would do, and we call it our Arizona series, is it, instead of me just hitting fungo, 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 I'll get about 10 feet away from him on a bucket, and I'll roll them balls so that they can work on their footwork, get it, get rid of it, next guy up, next guy up, next guy up, next guy up, when we're working on the fundamentals. And then obviously you got to tie in, like, hey, let's get some real game-like reps, but it, you you're not going to get a good game-like rep if you don't know how to do your footwork, if you don't know how to do this. Um, and the same thing goes for the outfield. You know, instead of just hitting fungos and, you know, one guy's getting a rep per 30 seconds because we've got to wait for the ball to be caught and thrown in, hey, let's do drop steps, we're throwing it, drop steps, we're throwing it, let's do this, let's do this, let's divide guys into to smaller groups so that more guys are getting more reps. Um, so that that's kind of like the mentality of our practices is that, hey, if we're going to practice for two hours, we're practicing for two hours it's not oh hey yeah we got a good hour of and the other half we were we were sitting around and, and shagging in the outfield not taking it serious because uh, you would like to think oh yeah guys are going to get game like reps shagging and batting practice and in reality it's not always that case so um, so that's something with us uh, but then another thing too that you hit on it's like you know what are things that we might do in practice every now and then that really doesn't translate the way we want to and I would say like and this is something I've had to learn just recently, but like everything that we do should have a purpose, you know, like, yeah, it's nice just to go in and hit. But what are like what situation are we in? Are we just going to go up in a game and just hit? No, more than likely, there is going to be a situation uh, whether we're trying to move a or over whether, hey, we have to get a guy on base. We're down to our last out like we're not just going to be going up there free swinging. Um, you know, so that's something that, you know, I have learned to do is, Hey, everything we do, there is a situation we are working on. Um, and, and we are very, very fortunate at Linton. Um, I call him the godfather of Linton baseball, but we have a guy, his name is Bart Burns and he coached at Linton for 20 something years. And, uh, he had to step down due to some health issues, but he's still a part of the Linton community as a teacher, but he fundraised back in the day, for what we call the hit shack. So there's this building right next to our field where it's indoor, we can go hit. And it's like not very many high schools have that luxury. Um, And with that being said, we have that opportunity that, you know, hey, we might have guys out with a couple of coaches. We're working defensively while the other half, hey, we're in there and we're working on certain things offensively. But everything needs to have a purpose. You know, when you're hitting off the tee, don't just hit off the tee, hit off the tee with a purpose. Maybe you're working on, a certain drill, like we like to do, what we call the step back drill, which we really emphasizes we step back into our load. And, you know, obviously we're not going to step back in a game, but it's really emphasizing that, hey, let's get really loaded up so that when we swing, we swing with power instead of just going up there and swinging. Because some people, they might be able to do right, but you go in there and you tell the guys, hey, just hit, and you go in there and you see a lot of just chaos because they have no direction. Um, so hopefully you got something out of that that you wanted, but those are some things. Um, and then, you know, to something I'll add is, you know, we try to keep the energy high. We try to keep the communication high. Um, and that's something that's still in the works because, uh, they're not used to that. They're not used to being held to that expectation standard. Um, so there's been growing pains, but we're getting there because, you know, a team that doesn't communicate is a team that doesn't win very much. Uh, so that's what we're trying to get to.
0: What are some of the different ways you guys compete at practice other than just going live? Are there some other ways or some drills or some games you guys do to just get after it on any given practice
1: Yeah, absolutely man. Uh, a lot of things that we do uh, and this is something that I got from my former uh high school coach um who was who was the coach that ended up winning winning that state title in sixteen is you know he had told me like everything everything you guys do, you need to try to find a way to make it a competition. Um, So we do that in a lot of different ways. Some days, what we'll do, um, you know, especially like, you know, leading up to the season, or maybe like after our first few games, where it's like, okay, hey, it's pretty evident. Here are the nine guys, or here are the ten guys, counting the designated hitter, and then you got guys that are kind of on the fence, and they know they're on the fence, and they're probably upset. And you just tell them, you're honest with them, like, hey, you think you need to be in this spot? So here's what we're going to do today. You're going to be paired with this guy. And we're competing the whole day, you against him. So there's days that we'll kind of do that, you know, like we'll uh, break the team in half and, uh, you know, we'll have competitions that it's like, hey, say myself and, 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 and Joe Bob or whoever, you know, we're battling for first base. So him and I, you know, we're going to be over, we call them the scooper troopers. That, that's something that we call our first baseman, um, you know, and a lot of times defensively instead uh, Instead of just having our first baseman shag, I mean, they're over there. They're doing work. They're working on their footwork. They're working on, you know, hopping off the bag and making good plays and PFPs and scooping balls in the dirt. But, you know, maybe today our competition, all right, first baseman, which one of you guys is going to be able to scoop the most balls out of the dirt? All right, first baseman, which one of you guys is going to be able to put on a better tag when our pitchers pick off and document it? You know, hey, today, yep, Jim Bob, he got more picks than I did, so he won today. Um, you know, he won the competition today or shortstop, you know, maybe you got player A and player B. All right, let's see who can, who can field the ball and get it to first base faster, you know, on the same, just kind of roll of a ground ball. So that's the way we like to compete. We like to compete, you know, person versus person. But the biggest thing we like to do is just the team versus ourselves. Uh, And a lot of ways we'll do that is we'll give them a task and we'll say, Hey, you've got this amount of time. To get this amount of, you know, whether it be reps or, uh, you know, clean catches and throws, um, and we just we go at it, and they compete because they know if they don't get what they what they have to get in that certain time, then they got to run, and they don't like it. And you know, we try to translate that to how in a game, if we don't get what we don't want, we lose, which is what we don't like. Um, so you know, just constantly, there, there's a price to have to pay, and there's a goal to try to meet. Um, you know, so that's how we'll do it. And then heck we'll do things, uh, which I learned this from Georgia Gwinnett, uh, which is one of the best NAI baseball teams in America. Uh, they, they have this like bunt scrimmage that they do where everything they do has to be a bunt. So, uh, you know, when you're up there hitting, you got to find a way to push it past the fielders. You got to find a way to place, you got to find a way to do this, but then you just play it out like a normal game. Um, and again, you know, you have a winner and you have a loser. So, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. Anything that you can do where they compete, the better. And, and you got to be inventive. you got to get creative. Um, I mean, heck, shoot, we might even, this year, we might have a competition to see who can clean their locker the best, you know. And it, little things like that, but if they're competing, you know, they're going to find a way. Because I'm, I'm a firm believer that success breeds success. So if you can be successful, at something as simple as having your locker organized, or be successful as something of being to practice early and getting extra reps in, then I think that's going to carry over. So,
0: good stuff, Coach. In in words, how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Right? How would you describe yourself as a coach to others?
1: Uh, shoot, dude, I'd say it could be summarized in one word and that's energy. (laughs) I'm i I'm I'm very energetic. Um, I would like to say most of the time my energy is positive. Um, I don't like to be the guy that, you know, if if I'm screaming, it's because I'm screaming at you because you did something wrong. Usually if I scream, it's because I'm screaming in jubilation because I'm proud of you. Um, but that's the thing with me. And like I've even told myself, like, you know, sometimes, what if I just calm down? What if I just calm down and I'm just over there, calm, cool, and collected? And then I get over there, you know, in third base coach's box, just trying to be chill and a casual clap. And then I realize that's not who I am. Uh, that's, that's not me. And I think that's the first mistake anybody can make is trying to be somebody you're not. Um, so I, I, I try to be a positive energy bringer. Um, no matter the situation, no matter if we 're up or if we 're down that 's something that um, you know we have struggled with in the past, and I think this goes kind of just across the board you know it's it 's really easy to be energetic and upbeat when things are going good, but how are you going to react when things're going bad and i 've been a part of teams where our coaches have just given up, and I have made a vow to myself that I will never give up on our guys i don 't care if it 's a 20 run game i 'm still Rooting for my guys, and I'm still trying to bring that energy, and if I don't, I have failed them. Um, so that that's kind of my biggest thing: uh, energy, and um, you know, energy with a purpose too—not just like being crazy and chaotic. Like, you know, if they do something that we've been hitting on in practice, and they do it well, I'm going to let them know that I'm so proud of them because they just did what we worked on, and I'm going to make a big deal about it because uh, you know it's that kind of positive behavior incentive. You know, when they hear themselves get praised for doing something right versus they hear themselves get demeaned for doing something wrong, I think you're going to get more buy-in for the praise of doing something right. And also too, if a guy's doing something wrong, when they hear somebody getting praised for doing something right, then by God, they're going to try to figure out a way to do that same exact thing. It's just kind of a way that the you know the mind works. But, um, but yeah, I'd say if you'd come to one of a, one of our games, man, you would probably see me over clapping and jumping around uh, at third base. And you know some people probably think I've had one. T- too many Red Bulls or monsters, but it's just because I love my guys, and, you know, I want them to know that I'm here to root them on, and, you know, at that point, yeah, there's in, in-game stuff that you can do as a coach, Uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, kind of the chess match of the game, but, I mean, once you get to game time, man, the boys just have to trust the training that has got them there, and they got to play, um, and, you know, at that point, you're basically their cheerleader, uh, you know, you're rooting them on, uh, not saying that you're not coaching, because you obviously are, but at that point, I mean, it's tough to for them to learn something brand new right then and there to do better. It's like you got to trust your training that's got you here and you got to execute the best you can. So, a lot of times we just got to be their biggest hype, man. So, um, I'd say that kind of characterizes me the best.
0: You know, you talked about management of inside the game. Are you someone who's pro small ball? Or are you pro someone who's more uh, launch angle? Josh Donaldson approach, the modern day of baseball. How would you describe your in-game management style?
1: Man, I tell you what, um, you know, I used to think that I was just full on, hey, let's just swing it until I realized how easy it was to exploit weaknesses of the other team by small ball. Um, So I kind of like to try to be a a good blend of both um, because I really want, you know, I'm a firm believer that you know, a ball that is going on a downward angle, if you are to swing downward, that's probably not going to be the best. Yeah, you might get it and hit it perfect with that backspin. But to me, I think we should match the angle of the ball. And it doesn't have to be crazy. You know, a lot of people think, oh, they're trying to pop. No, you don't, I don't want you popping up. I want you hitting line drives. Um, but something that I've realized, and I've actually, it really, really hit home for me coaching summer baseball at the collegiate level is how difficult it is to field a bunt, and I know that might sound silly, and people might think, oh, that's so easy, and I mean, heck, even Augie Garrido, uh, you know, one of my favorite coaches ever uh, of all time, one of the best coaches of all time, you know, he even said, and actually just saw it on Twitter today, uh, and I think I retweeted it, but, you know, talking about how putting the ball in play versus striking out, You know, for instance, like the amount of pressure you put on the defense when you bunt it and bunt a guy over versus up, I struck out. All I got to worry about when I strike out is does the catcher catch it? When I put the ball in play and I bunt, now they have to go into their bunt defense. Now they have to field it. Now they have to make a good throw. And yeah, sometimes they are going to get us out. But what do we gain? A lot of times we gain a guy going from first to second base. Now we got one out with a guy on second instead of two outs with nobody on because we grounded into a double play. Or we got one out with a guy on first base because we struck out. Um, So definitely you got to pick your battles, of course. Uh, You know, you got to know who's up. Um, you got to know who's on base. Um, But something that I've learned, and uh, to tie it back into, like, in the summer, but shoot, man, some of these college guys that are really good, they struggle fielding the bunt. You know, they really do. But the biggest thing, too, is if I had a dollar for every – double play that we, we hit into the past couple summers because we elected not to bun a guy over. I'd be a rich man. And, and it's really a momentum killer. Um, and I've seen it way too much. And I'm not saying that a guy can't go up there and, and get a double and clear the bases, but, you know, you, something that you got to kind of look at and just go with your gut, of course. But, you know, I'm a man. I like to try to put pressure on the defense, but something else too, um, you know, and I'm actually dealing with this a lot right now as a seventh grade basketball coach, but it's like, what do other teams do to make you uncomfortable as a coach when it's like, oh God, and I'm going to tell you one thing for sure. In baseball, it's when a teams bunt against me. It's when teams steal against me. And it's like, well, if they do that so well against us, how about we try to do that so well against other teams? If that's what gives us trouble, more than likely, that's what's going to give others trouble too. So uh, we've tried to adapt and adopt again. From uh, I talked about Georgia Gwinnett earlier, uh, but they have what they call the three Bs, and it's bunts, base running, and barrels. You know, obviously bunts, we want to play small ball, we want to get guys into scoring position, or we want to expose a defense if they're not respecting our speed. Heck, third baseman's playing back, let's bunt it down the line, or you know, hey, if we we got a lefty falling off to the third side, you know, third base side and the first baseman's back, let's bunt it towards first base, try to get a single. Let's put pressure on the defense and then base running. You know, how can we utilize, hey, we got a fast guy, we got a guy that keeps doing the same thing, you know, we call it UCLA counts. He's an L every single time. Many he comes, said, you know, you see Al and he goes home, let's steal on him. And putting pressure on him that way, but also, too, just focusing on finding barrels and how do we do that. And um, so those are some things that, you know, kind of to tie into that small ball, man. it's uh, Obviously, small ball is not going to work for you all the time, but it really pays off sometimes, I've learned. so.
0: So, you know, I'm a big small ball proponent as well, especially at a small school. You know, you don't consistently have dudes that can consistently rake at small schools. You just don't. It's just not realistic. You know, you graduate kids, you get another class in. Maybe the roster size is small. Maybe the kids are starting to strong. Maybe they're just not better, as good as baseball players. So you have to find ways that you can compete still with the, maybe not the same talent on a roster. But how can you still compete and try to win games at, at a consistent basis? And I think playing small ball is one of those things because anybody can be able to bunt. Anybody became able to, you know, we this year, right, we, we lost a lot of offense from last year. Last year we went to the Final Four. We had some good bats. We still played some small ball. This year we're having to rely on small ball more. And so we played this fall. As a small school, we don't have football, so we play fall baseball as well as spring baseball. And so we really utilized first and third bunts, you know, scoring from second on a bunt. Uh, trying to you know maybe we don't I'm not a big proponent of squeezing just because I don't I'm not at that point where I trust my kids yet, but I do trust the safety squeeze and we teach it so well, um, and we show early on the safety squeeze trying to get the third baseman to pull up and then the further the third baseman goes up the bigger our lead is, which is you know, kind of uh, a place we don't care that you know we're bunting because now we can just get off the base further and since we're anticipating it's pretty pretty close to as close as a squeeze as you can get without us going on the pitch. Um, and so we scored quite a few runs this fall on the safety squeeze, but how are ways that you guys compete year in and year out at a small school where, you know, your talent levels rise and fall with each graduating class? What are the ways that you guys do that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, man. Well, I tell you what, I'm just being honest with you. It's helped the uh, past couple of years, you know, uh, the two seasons that I've been here, we've had absolute dogs on the mound. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. We, uh, Two guys in particular, we had a kid named Luke McDonald who's uh, pitching at Indiana University Kokomo now, uh, which is, you know, an up-and-rising NAI program. And then we had a kid, uh, Nathan Frady, who is uh, pitching at Taylor University now. And, um, you know, just really having pitchers that can control the game and can throw strikes, have good stuff, that's going to keep you in any ballgame. And uh, so that's really helped us compete. Um, But, again, you know, kind of like you were just saying, And, man, like putting pressure on any team and saying, all right, let's see how good you are. We're going to do this. We're going to bunt. We're going to play small ball. We're going to place it. Um, But a way that I think we've been able to compete um, is by beefing up our schedule and playing a bunch of these way bigger teams and technically better teams and just finding ways to compete with them. Um, You know, like I've I've been kind of this underdog my whole life uh, with a lot of different things that's happened in my life. And, uh, you know, that's something we talk about all the time, guys, is, you know, they might be the strong, but just because they're the strong doesn't mean they can't lose. And, um, you know, trying to get them to believe that we can go and we can beat anybody. And something that really did it for us, uh, my year one, uh, we went and played at Jasper. And Jasper is like the Alabama football, the Duke basketball, you name it, of Indiana baseball. You know, Terry Gobert is the best coach probably arguably in the state of Indiana and anything ever um which maybe not quite that but he's he's awesome man uh, you know and he's somebody that has built a program that every year they're successful um and you know going to uh, Ruxer Field which is what they have I mean it's like going to the field of dreams man and and we went down there and we were in Evansville Central which are two 4A schools way bigger than us and everybody was so like oh coach you're sending us down there to get embarrassed this and that and I told them, I was like, guys, if you have that mentality, you're absolutely right, we're going to get embarrassed. But if we go down there and play our game and we play the best of our ability, and we're going to have a chance. In both games, we were in them until the very end because of pitching, and, you know, they got away from us. But uh, I'll never forget the th- the time that I think kind of got it for us is um, when we took the lead against Evansville Central uh, really early in the game, which Evansville Central, they were uh, being coached by Coach uh, Gatie. Uh, which is a guy he coached at USI, University of Southern Indiana, absolute coaching legend. Um, and here they are with a great team that has a chance to probably win a state title. Same with Jasper. And we just took the lead on them. And I think the boys finally like realized, like, Oh my God, like we're not, we're not bad. We're good. And uh, we went on that year in 2022 to win the first ever regional championship in and baseball history at Linton and, and in Indiana, We have the sectional is the first grouping of the playoffs. And then the regional is the Elite Eight, or Sweet 16 Elite Eight. And then, you know, you went to semi-state, which was the Final Four, uh, which they just changed it. Now now regional is a one-game, semi-state's two, but uh, we made it to the first-ever Final Four. Um, So I, I think that's really the the best way that, you know, we end up being able to compete year in and year out, and it's been this way at Linton forever, is because the schedule's tough. You play teams that are bigger and better than you, but you get better by doing so. You know, having 25 wins because, you you know, you beat these schools that aren't very good, yeah, it's nice, but does that prepare you for when it really matters, which is playoff time when you're trying to win a state championship? And, uh, you know, so that, that, that's a big way, I think, that we find a way to compete. Um, but also what I, we've realized past couple of years now, uh, you know, trying to implement more small ball is putting pressure on them, man, is how how we compete. And throwing strikes is how we compete, and having good at-bats is how we compete. So um, hopefully that's not too vague, but those are kind of the things that, you know, we really try to focus on.
0: All right, I've only got a few more questions for you. My next question is, you know, you talked about coaching some summer baseball. How does coaching in the summer and what you do as a summer ball coach different from coaching in the spring?
1: That's a great question, man. That's something I've noticed. Um, You know, I'm going in on my fourth season with the Rex. Um, The biggest difference I've realized is obviously the game's a lot faster, but the biggest similarity is baseball's baseball. Baseball's baseball wherever you go. That That's the biggest thing. You know, I thought making that jump, uh, which I, I was fortunate. I had a chance to play for the Rex for a couple of weeks back in 2017, I think. Um, and you know, like, so I knew the level of baseball, um, but going back to it, I was thinking, Oh man, this is going to be this big thing. And don't get me wrong. It is a big thing. It's a really big deal, but it's the same game. It's just at a faster pace and the ball's coming in a little bit harder and the ball's going out a little bit harder. Um, so, you know, that, that's that, but we talked about it earlier when you asked me the question and mentioned, you know, coach Bochi and, and coach Saban, you know, the relationship building is huge, man. And especially when you're grinding a 60 game season in two and a half, three months uh, in the summer, like there's going to be times where guys are irritable because man, we just got home at three in the morning and we had to turn around and play this home game or, you know, man, we just had five games in a row and we're so tired, like building relationships, keeping positivity roaming through, through the clubhouse, like, you know, just being that guy that can hopefully help with that, that, that's the biggest thing that I've realized. It's like, and it's kind of nice too, because it's like, man, this does work. You know, it gives you kind of a, you know, a positive vibe of, Oh yeah, Hey, we're doing something right. Um, but the game's the game, man. I mean, it's, and the thing is too, and you know, I'd mentioned um, with the bunning, I mean, heck, dude, we had a chance. We exposed some teams a couple summers back by bunting. Uh, we had a team we were playing, second baseman was shading the middle, and I think we literally had three or four guys in a row, bunt right to the four hole, and get base hits every time, bunt for a hit, and the other team didn't make an adjustment, but that showed you, dude, like, if we can do this at the college level, golly, we can do it at the high school level, you know, um, and that's been that's been awesome, but uh, obviously, biggest thing though, difference is just the speed of the game. Obviously, guys are stronger; they're better at college. Uh, I kind of got exposed as a third base coach, going from high school where I can maybe get away with being a little bit more aggressive to college where <laughs> you know you're being aggressive and guys are getting thrown out by you know five, ten feet, and it's like okay, need to need to simmer down a little bit. Uh, but man, it's so awesome. You know, you got you got players at the high school level that. Uh, you know, as soon as the season's over, they're going and playing travel ball to get better. And I kind of, I kind of form this as like, this is my quote unquote travel ball as a coach. I'm coaching at this level because it's a higher level and I am trying to be better as a coach and as a baseball mind. And in order to do that, you have to surround yourself with people that, you know, for lack of a better term are better than you, you know, I'm, I'm with, uh, you know, managers that have been around the game more than I have. I'm around players that have maybe played at higher levels than I have and, uh, you know, definitely a great way to grow. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, I'm able to do that. So,
0: All right. And I'll wrap up the the podcast with this question right here. And it's usually how I end the podcast. If you were able to present at the ABCA convention, what do you think the topic that you'd want to present on would be? And then could you give us a little snippet of what that presentation might sound like?
1: Oh man, that's, that's a great question, dude. Um, I'd have to say, if I had to present on this or on anything, I would say probably, and I, we talked about this a little bit, and, you know, I, maybe this would be it if I got the chance to present, but presenting on how to build a program in small town USA with limited resources and, you know, how to build a program in a small town, um, you know, with, with, with a small amount of funds and, um and that's something that I don't, know if, I don't know if anybody's ever presented on something like that because usually when you watch these videos, it's about, well, here's our bunt defense or, oh, here's what we do in this drill. But I tell you, man, if I have learned anything, baseball, coaching, coaching in general is so much more than the bats and the balls, man. It's so much more. And, uh, you know, if I were presenting, I, I would talk about how at the high school level, if, if your youth league doesn't know who you are as the head coach, you're doing something wrong. Um, you know, I, I, and when I interviewed for this coaching position at Linton, I, I swore to it. The first phone call I'd make if I got the job was to the youth director. And when I got the job, that's the first phone call I made getting on the same page, you know, and, uh, something that I'm very, very fortunate that we got going is we got a really good relationship with our youth league. Um, and our youth league is extremely strong and that has a lot to do with the leaders that have been there doing that for a long time. But, you know, something that we do at Linton now is our guys all get assigned to a youth league team, and we try to pick a day a week, which obviously when games start playing, you know, getting played, it's really we're really tough, but it's something that it's worth the time to, to find time. But they go over and they're with those teams, and they're there. You know, we're there as a program because these kids need to see the support from their high school team. Um, but also, too, how are you going to want to motivate somebody to play high high school baseball at Linton if they don't know who the heck you are. They don't know that you're there. So that would be the first thing I would touch on is, uh, you know, how can we build this quote-unquote farm system of, you know, how, how can you try to have a successful team every year? And it starts with your youth. You know, your youth is your minor league system, man. Uh, you know, your youth are who you are trying to get to buy into the culture. And with that, you know, with the youth, it's not just the youth. It's the people that are taking time to coach the youth. Let's have some coaching clinics. Let's talk with them. Let's let them know how important they are, not just for baseball, but just for their child's life, but get them on the same page. That way, like, hey, if this is how we like to run, uh, de- you know, a bunt defense with the runner on first, then when you're 10, 12 years old, this is what I want you guys doing. You know, hey, if this is the if these are the buzzwords that I use for our hitting, at the high school level, then this is what I want you guys using at the youth level. That way, when they get to high school, not only do they already have a good relationship with their coach, but they already know what the heck's going on because they're bought in. So that's something I talk about, but also too, it's like, you know, how, how do you get buy-in from the community? Uh, you know, how, how do you get a community that shows out in waves? And I tell you what, man, at Linton, we have an awesome community. We have an awesome fan base, uh, we have an awesome amount of support, but how do you go above and beyond? You go above and beyond by doing community service. You, do, you go above and beyond by doing small-town business. You know, hey, let's not go X, Y, Z restaurants tonight. Hey, let's go to The Grill, which is a restaurant in, in, Indiana, or in Indiana, and let's go support our local business owners because guess what? We do that, and in turn, they come and they root us on because they appreciate us helping them out and then in turn, you need money because we need new baseballs. We need to do this. We need to do that. How do you get that money? How do you fundraise? And, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to you know, have a lot of different great ways to fundraise, but a business isn't going to fork out money to you if you don't help them out. And that's not the only reason you help them out, in my opinion. You don't just help them out because you want them to give you something. You help them out because it's the right thing to do in a small town. Um, so I think, you know, and I, obviously it would be a little bit more – um, you know, Hey, this is, you know, a little bit more meticulous if I were to actually present on this, but that would kind of be a snippet of it. You know, like how, how can you build a program and how can you build that camaraderie and how can you just, you know, for lack of a better term, build a juggernaut of a, of a program that is going to compete every year. And those are kind of some things that, um, you know, may or may not get overlooked, but I would definitely love to hit on them, man. Cause it's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, if, hopefully you can tell cuz i'm i'm passionate about it and i love it so